Good afternoon and welcome to Redneck Radio, a podcast for the plebs. I want to take a moment today to talk to you about something that's serious. An affliction that is wreaking havoc among the redneck and hunting communities all over this great country. It's something that speaks dearly to me because I too suffer from this and have suffered from this painful addiction for seven years. It's something that has haunted me, that has ruined relationships, just like any real addiction would. It's a fever that I suffer from, and every spring that fever is brought back anew, fresh and hot. And of course, the addiction that I talk about is the addiction to horn. Now, horn addiction is not unlike many of the, of the addictions that afflict the modern person today. If you think about it, it consumes a lot of time. It ruins relationships. Uh, it is based partially on money. And it consumes all of our thoughts when shed hunting is taking place. And to me, horn hunting has gotten to a point where it's just, it's a frenzy. The minute that very first horn falls to the ground, the gates are opened and the masses spill forth out into the sagebrush flats in pursuit of brown gold. I started shed hunting about seven years ago, right when, you know, the majority of you probably started shed hunting. I hear stories about the good old days when shed hunting wasn't a big deal. And I marvel at the idea or thought that there would be a time when there were very few people out in the hills and they were just picking up gigantic sheds. I've even heard some hunters talk about the uh, long, long time ago when they used to go hunting and while they were hunting, they'd pick up gigantic sheds and just, you know, make a remark and put them back down. That to me is astounding because today shed hunting is just out of control. It is hard to go anywhere and not see another man's footprints. The only good thing about shed hunting is that those footprints aren't necessarily a sign that there are no sheds. I remember shed hunting with a friend of mine in my early days, and we were both walking side by side uh, down this mountain, uh, maybe 10 yards apart, and there in the middle, he had walked right by a gigantic elk shed. And the look on his face when I called his name and lifted it up to show to him, you know, like a sports trophy after winning a football game, the, the look on his face was priceless. But shed hunting has really grown and it's turned into a huge problem in some ways. And part of that problem stems from the fact that people can make a considerable amount of money selling horns. Now, the price of horns, the last time I sold horn, was about $30 per pound for a brown shed. That, to me, seemed like a great deal, but I, I hear from people that the prices have gone up. And the question is, why have they gone up? And of course, I've asked several individuals. I've asked some people who do the, you know, the middlemen who collect all the sheds, the people that you sell your sheds to. And those people claim that, you know, there's the demand from China. You know, for some reason, the Chinese love horn. They love horn. They love turning horn into aphrodisiacs and secret medicines almost as much as I love collecting horn. So it's kind of this great mutual arrangement that we have. But a lot of people say the high demand for brown horn comes from China. And that also makes sense because we love to blame a lot of our problems on China. So we just say Chinese, uh, Chinese demand is driving 
the price up for shed. The other part of this story that I often think about is that sheds have become a household item in a lot of houses where people have no idea where that shed came from or to what animal that shed belonged. And by the way, as we continue to discuss shed hunting, I just want to take a minute to say that I understand that when I refer to a shed, I'm referring to an antler that has fallen off. And when I refer to a horn, I am also referring to an antler. All right. I use antler, horn, and shed interchangeably, and I don't want someone to nitpick me over the specifics of each of those terms, but I use them all the same. So just deal with it. So these people, they go out and they buy these horns, they turn them into decorations, they put them on their wall, and to some, very offensively, they paint them feminine colors and put them up. And none of this is new. I mean, horn-based furniture has been around for quite some time. I mean, the Indians were making knife handles out of horn. They understood the value of horns. And so this is nothing new, but just the fact that you've got the Chinese and you've got all these hipsters buying horn and putting them up in their houses, even though they don't know what the animal is that dropped that horn, they're still putting it up in their house. And I always find it hilarious when a person picks up a big deer shed and says, my goodness, this is a big moose shed, or look at this elk shed, or they pick up an elk shed and they say, look at this moose shed. And that's pretty common, actually, among the people who buy horns from shed hunters. And I'm sure many a shed hunter has given a quiet snicker when they have heard someone pick up a deer horn and say, my goodness, look at this elk shed. And so you have the Chinese, you have the hipsters, and then you have... I'm going to just say the furniture makers. Those seem to be the three people who, or, or, you know, the three types of businesses that are driving the price of horn up. And what this has done in turn is take what was already a very addictive activity, because let's all be honest, if you are a legitimate shed hunter, you are addicted to shed hunting. The minute there's even a hint of spring in the air, the minute the snow begins to melt, and the very first picture you see of a, of a horn or a one-horned animal, you, you start to freak out because you just picture everybody else is picking up ginormous sheds and you're not. Now, some people even taking a, a step further, a lot of people between the months of you know October till February spend their whole free time watching animals. And I drive by these people all the time on my way to work. And I see them pulled over you know, in their trucks and they got their spotting scopes attached to their, their windows. And these individuals are the truly addicted individuals. I mean, they give up all their free time to watch the animal while he still has both horns on his head. I spent some time doing this and I quickly realized that in some ways this is futile. The pursuit of this is futile because you could sit there and watch an animal with a horn on his head all day long. And unless you catch it in the act of dropping that antler, there is a, a very real chance that you will not be the person who picks up that shed. And that has happened numerous times. And many shed hunters know what I'm talking about. The frustration of watching an animal, which, by the way, is basically a big flag to anyone driving by saying, I am looking at a decent uh, animal up there on that hillside. Please stop and observe what I'm doing. I'm just going to let you know right now that I'm looking at an antler. And so the very first mistake these people make is they park and announce there is an animal on the hill worth watching. And then when the, the animal loses its antler, it's a gigantic contest, like a race, like an Easter egg hunt on the White House lawn. 
And people just rush around and they act like idiots and they, they grab these horns. So I've never understood these individuals who's actually park from, you know, December all the way to February watching these uh, antlers and waiting for them to fall off. But they are the really addictive ones. If they were crack addicts, they would be in the, uh, they would be the ones in the alleyway turning tricks in the McDonald's bathroom for a fix. And these people, <clears throat> these people who park in their cars and watch the uh, deer and elk, they just they must have an amazing amount of free time because they have to do it right after work and before it gets dark. So I must applaud them on their dedication. But at the same time, I have to admit I don't really understand it. So shed hunting which is just starting, for me is a headache. And the reason is I get stressed out. I, I get ulcers. I get canker sores. Just the thought of somebody else picking up a ginormous shed makes me a bit anxious. And I have all these wild dreams, and I have my locations. Like many shed hunters, I have locations that I like to go to. And I like to pretend that nobody else knows about these locations. And then I, I find, I begin when I go up into these areas where I think nobody has been, I, I begin to find beer cans. Kind of like a breadcrumb trail, telling me exactly where the shed hunter has gone. Now, a couple observations about that. First of all, I think drinking alcohol while shed hunting might just impair your ability to find a shed. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like you got to keep your eyesight and your senses sharp as a tack. So you're drinking alcohol, which reduces your ability to find sheds, in my opinion. Next thing is, who packs an or takes an entire six pack up into the mountains. Cause a lot of these sheds, they aren't found by roads, even though a lot are the ones where I'm just astounded is the ones where I find beer cans in impossible places that are horrible to hike into. And there's beer cans. They're leaving a little trail showing me exactly where they went. And I think I'm being so random, you know, because the whole idea is to just kind of wander, meander through all these trees and scrub oak and whatever, in hopes of stumbling upon a shed or being able to glass one on an opposing hillside. And I think every time I do that, I think I'm being so random. Nobody else would ever walk this path. And then the beer can man, he has walked every step that I've walked. I'm the least original original person out there on the mountain. And I just get so frustrated because he has found every shed that I probably would have stumbled into if I had only gone a week earlier, but I couldn't go a week earlier because I had to go to work. So part of the reason I find shed hunting season so frustrating is that right there. The idea that people have gone out and already found all the biggest sheds. And like I said, that causes me a lot of stress. But the other reason I hate shed hunting season is because I manage a hunting ranch. And on this hunting ranch, we have hundreds of deer. And praise the Lord, we don't have very many elk, because that would only make the situation worse. So I go up to work during lion hunting season, and I see all these people pulled over with their spotting scopes out, looking on to my place of employment. What are you thinking? First of all, I, I must say, I'm going to take a moment here to explain to you how pissed off this makes me. I have in a four mile stretch of road over 60, no trespassing signs, 60 on the stretch of road where my hunting ranch is. You can't hunt either side of the road for four to five miles. And yet people stop all year round to look over there to window shop at a, at a store they can't afford, right? But they do it anyway, because shed hunters, not all of them, but a, a decent majority or minority of these shed hunters 
just don't even care about no trespassing signs. And they make me so upset that I just want to smash things because they are so incredibly rude and they just do not care. They are some of the biggest pieces of crap I uh, deal with in the hunting world. And all of it, it stems from this obsession with shed hunting. You know, not just the addiction of finding something and, you know, that my, my dad calls it random reward, which is the same thing that's employed in casinos. The fact that you may get something in the future drives you at that moment to do that thing, but also the fact that they can sell it and make some coin off of these free, they claim free, but when you calculate how much time you spend looking for sheds, I mean, sheds, you really, you're making like 50 cents an hour in most cases, because you spend a lot of time looking for sheds and those sheds don't in reality bring in that much money. So all these factors have driven people to the point where they completely disregard private property signs. I mean, just compl- they don't even care. I-, I-, I find footprints walking by my signs just within six inches of my signs. Sometimes they tear down the signs. And so shed hunters have gone they're just out of control. They're just flooding the hills and they don't care one iota, you know, where it is that they're looking for these sheds, which is funny because if a gigantic deer shed fell on their front yard and I saw it and I was to jump my, their fence and run out and grab it, I'm sure they would have something to say. And there's really no difference between your front yard and this hunting ranch. It's not yours and you should stay off of it. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, last year, I was patrolling the streets. I have to patrol the street that borders my property in order to keep people off. And it is, you have to be vigilant and somehow they still get on. I don't know how they know. Maybe they put a GPS tracker on my truck and so they they can tell where I am at all times. So last year I was patrolling, driving up and down, looking for cars that were parked because there's really no reason to be parked unless you're trespassing. And while I'm doing this, I see a minivan with three, three grown men in it. And they are pulled off to the side of the road. Not completely. They're still kind of blocking the road. And all three of them have their binoculars out. And they're glassing a hillside on my property. And they're just sitting there. And I pull up alongside them. And they are so engrossed in what they're doing. They don't even notice that I pulled up alongside. So I roll down my window and I just wait. Probably 15 seconds. 15 very awkward seconds. I sit there waiting for them to realize that there is a car right next to them. So finally, one of them deems me worthy to acknowledge my presence. And he turns and he says, can I help you? And all I said was, I wouldn't go up there if I were you. That's private property. And he responds, who are you? You know, and this kind of like getting your face type of a tone. And I said, I'm the owner. He's like, well, we weren't going to go up there, which made me laugh. And I could tell he knew that I thought that was really stupid of him to say, because he was glassing it. I said, well, aren't you shed hunting? And he said, uh, uh, no, uh, we're headed up to the reservoir. We're going to go lay out by the reservoir. That is what he actually told me, that him and these other two grown men were going to go up and lay down and sun themselves next to the reservoir. It was 50 degrees that day. 50 degrees. You... I don't even know if a polar bear would sun himself on a day like that. And it was windy, windy and there were, there, was, there were clouds up in the sky blocking the sun. And he wants me to believe that they weren't shed hunting, that they were going to go lay out up by the reservoir. And these are the individuals I deal with. 
these these addicted individuals who just do not care and are so drawn to the hills by brown gold that they will do whatever is necessary to get what they want, which really makes them, like I said, like those highly addicted people, those people who smoke meth or do crack. Those people, I mean, it's all, they're on the same level in terms of addiction. They just need it. They need to go hunt horn. And, you know, they're not going to be the ones out turning tricks at McDonald's, but they are willing to be the ones who just rip down no trespassing signs and just walk right by them. And they don't care. Not, not, not at all. And the amazing thing is that there are quite a few people who do this on my ranch. I have several roads and by the end of March, all of those roads had footprints from people who were not me which means they were trespassing. I even found in the early week or two of shed hunting two I'm trying to think of a word I can say that won't offend you, but two a-holes who had actually taken horses up onto the property and they had taken their horses right by a no trespassing sign. So shed hunting season brings to me a mixture of emotions, lots and lots of different emotions. I love looking for sheds. And I love the sight of a shed laying tines up. To me, that's one of the most beautiful things you can see. I hate how competitive it's gotten out there. I mean, it's great, and I do hunt uh, shed hunt on the ranch, but occasionally I'll go onto public ground and shed hunt as well. And it's just, it stresses me out because it's so much competition. And, and last of all, I hate the way that sheds are being sold. And the price is going up because all that does is make this whole situation that much worse. And so I just wanted to talk to you today about the highly addictive effects of horn and how people are losing their minds over horn hunting. And I'm going to just make a public appeal that if you love horn hunting and you love finding sheds, please don't be one of those trespass holes who I find on my property. That's all I'm going to ask. Just learn, you know, learn the law. Don't chase these animals around. They've had a hard winter. How would you like to spend all winter sleeping underneath a juniper tree in sub-zero temperatures? They've had a hard winter. Don't chase them around for your stupid horn. And don't trespass to pick them up off the ground. My advice, and this is the advice I've given myself, if it is private property, I don't even look. Because I don't want to know. I don't want there to be the temptation to jump someone's fence to grab a shed. And I'm going to ask you to adopt the exact same philosophy. If it's private property, don't even look. Don't even take a moment to glass. Just move on until you get to an area where you can shed hunt legally. That's all I'm going to say. I just want to take a minute to talk about this terrible addiction that is ruining the hunting community. And so thank you for listening. This is Redneck Radio. I'm Thaddeus Stotch, and I hope to talk to you again next week.